0: Live from the biggest studios, it is weekend geek update. Smurf, back in the seat, in the front of the mic, getting ready to tantalize you with the latest and greatest in geek knowledge, nerddom, and whatever kind of story struck my fancy. It's it's a colorful week to be sure, and I've got so many things to tell you. I don't even know where to start. I know. I'll start with our sponsors. That's right. In addition to Susie, who is the crafter of some amazing jewelry, go to susiecues dot com to see her latest and greatest. She is absolutely skilled, and we, her secret project is coming along wonderfully i can't wait to unveil it to give you guys a sneak peek of what's been going on behind the scenes here at the uh 5280 geek studios but uh some great stuff coming susie does have an office here and if you wanted to even make an appointment you can come by and get the hands-on special top shelf treatment that everybody yearns for in this day and age of online shopping uh, in addition to Susie, we have a new sponsor, a uh, long-time listener, been a guest multiple times, recurring guest, I guess would be the proper uh, label for this gentleman and scry and artist extraordinaire, Mr. Matt Campbell. Uh, he does this book that is absolutely spectacular, Demons, dames, and a Scotsman with a blade. Of course, I'm referring to Mythica. Uh, If you're looking for something really good to read, Mythica is a hit indie comic destined to be the next Netflix or HBO series. Both of these channels would be lucky to have this thing, I'm telling you right now. It's like The Witcher meets Outlander with a a violent intensity of the boys. Well, maybe not as as, as violent as the boys, given what we just saw for the first... Three episodes that landed this week, which we will talk about later. So the the here's the skinny. In the midst of World War One, a group of unlikely allies, including a kilted Scotsman and, and a seductive super spy band together to hunt down and kill the monsters that slaughtered their families and their friends. This is a rich character developed, world building, and stunning visual book uh, that is just just—it's filled with a lot of intense action and adventure and magic. There's a lot of elements that go into Mythica that it's hard to explain, but you definitely need to pick this up. It's a great read. I really enjoy what we have so far. I'm a little bit ahead of you guys because Matt's nice enough to give me uh, the low low, but if you want to get in on this, you can go to pick up any of the Mythica books, merchandise, original art at actionstudios.com. There will be a link below and for the listeners here of the podcast, if you enter in 5280 geek at checkout for a discount code, you get 15% off. Um, and you can't go wrong with that. I mean, that's 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 some top quality discount right there. Also, if you're looking around here in town in Colorado, there are a lot of local shops that carry Mythica. If you're not too sure about ordering online, you want to go in and check it out. You can hit The Muse, Mile High Comics, Escape Velocity Comics, All Seas Collectibles, Kapow Comics, and Time Warp up in Boulder. So check it out i think you guys will love it if if you're a fan of love death and rocket stranger things that's uh it's definitely in that vein of just some fun some fun stuff so there you go that is our new sponsor Welcome aboard, Mr. Matt Campbell. And Susie's around here somewhere. I don't know where she's at. She's wandering around. She's busy playing catch-up because she took time off. She got to play hooky while, you know, the rest of us were out. The Comic uh, Collector Expo was a hit this weekend. Had a blast. Slung some comics. There is a new announcement from the RMC side, and that is Christmas in July. It's a toy fair that will be coming up in July. Check out uh, rmc.com. uh or on Facebook page, and you will see exactly what's going on over there. They want to dress me up in like an Ebenezer Scrooge outfit or Santa. They, they I don't know why. I, I, they just like to see you know me in just some odd settings. So it's it's okay. It's fun. Um, but if you want to come hang out, it'll be great. It's in July. A couple weeks from now, however, is international sushi day on june 18th we will be hosting and helping uh a sushi event that is destined to be talked about forever and who doesn't love sushi it's free to the public and it is in celebration and education of sushi it only runs for one day. It's just the 18th, starting at 1 p.m. and concludes at 5 p.m. We are over in the Ignite Food Service Solutions parking lot, so there will be lots of things to to take in. There will be some games. There will be some crafts. There will be a skills contest for some up-and-coming chefs who get to walk away with a $1,000 prize and it is it's going to be fun so and it's sushi and it's free and it's open to the public the location is 3700 havana street suite 208 just follow the the crowds of people that will be there we've already had a very large turnout uh there were um just a flood of people excited to be involved in this so we're really excited to put this on for the public and to and the sushi fans around the world sushi fans unite (laughs) it is very family friendly of course um then like i said fun games can't go wrong and sushi now that kind of concludes the the events that we've got going on here in the next couple of weeks uh go over to our facebook page and we try to kind of keep everyone up to date what's going on with events around town But the things that have kind of caught my eye, I did finally get to go through all of the Love, Death, and Robots Season 3. Of course, the big standout has to be the three robots. And just so, so good. And I honestly have to say that the art and the stories in this season are far better than Season 2. I wasn't, like, a big fan of Season 2. In fact, a lot of it was just kind of, like, meh there were a couple of standouts don't get me wrong but the overall takeaway was kind of just mediocre in my opinion so this season for love death and robots there is just a plethora of some very creative some very mind expanding uh approaches for stories there's a very huge tribute uh one to Mobius, and the art and the story, and that whole visual is just immense. It is great uh and i even i mean even the pirate one was kind of fun. I kind of chuckled on that one it kind of reminded me of the train from season two, or it was just kind of one of those really off the wall interesting stories so and I, I I don't like crabs now. I've decided. <laughs> so as before, uh, the the previous seasons, we we get kind of a menagerie of different styles and artists and shorts for everything across the board. And like I said, the the big standout for me was the 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 tribute kind of one that we saw to Mobius, which is I think. Episode three, the very pulse of the machine is the title of it, and it's just a a beautiful rendered piece of artwork. I mean, anything out of that, if they even sold stills or cells out of that one. Absolutely worth worth picking up. The one that kind of like cracked me up the most it was it's a tie because you have Night of the Mini Dead, which is hilarious and there's no real dialogue; it's just more grunting and noising and just kind of like and zombies, uh, which is freaking great. And then there's Kill Team Kill, which was just. I loved it. I, I actually, after watching it, I, I turned it around and watched it again right afterwards because it was just—it's just—I don't. I—it's hard to explain where I feel like I've seen this before, and I—I'm gonna figure it out. But it is really good. And then, of course, there's um, the the farmer versus the rats. Little little weird, kind of gross, and just really really out there um but all in all i really liked what we saw um there's a couple of them that are very lifelike i mean it is almost freaky how realistic the art or the computer rendition rendering is on this jabaro which i think everyone has probably seen it's the woman coming out of the lake. And it is just absolutely haunting uh, the story and the art and everything that went into that story. And it is just creepy and just it, it kind of just gets under your skin. It is a very, very well done, impressive art style. The story is unlike anything else. Uh, in the uh, the the plethora of series that we get, and it's 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 absolutely worth a at least one watch maybe may after you watch it it'll be a little too unnerving for you and then you're like, no, nope not gonna do that again um the only complaint and I do this every year with this is um it's just too short. We only get nine episodes, and I think the longest running time on one of these is 45 minutes. And as much as I think it's it's great and I love the approach and, of course, always want more three robots, it's just too short. I want more, Or, or, again, I'm a greedy nerd. I get that. But there's just... I like this platform. I like this idea, and I wish that they could at least every six months have a new Love, Death, and Robots or at least expand the season to incorporate a few more shorts or stories or something. But if you haven't watched it yet, absolutely, like I said, this season's better than last. I I had more likes than I had dislikes on this one. So worth the watch. It's over on Netflix right now. Check it out. And I know I kind of spoke on this last week with Stranger Things, but I, I've i had a chance to sit down and I've rewatched it again this week and I got some problems with it. I think we've just overreached. And I'm going to keep it short because I know I will have this conversation with multiple people. But it's the 80s and I get that. But they're just stretching way beyond what they should be able to do legally. They can't just throw a kid into jail. I'm sorry. There are just so many things. I know you need to move the story along, but damn, this is just rough on a whole different level. So I've rewatched stranger things and I'm, I'm definitely of the mindset that it is, it's okay. i mean. Ex- I want to see the last two episodes, and maybe that will change my perspective. But having sat down, and it was just kind of bothering me. There's just a lot of interesting things. Now, I like the story that we get with One. And it really does bar the question as far as how One figures into everything and him being on the upside down. And one of the questions that were thrown at me is, do you think – 11 created the upside down and the answer is no the upside down has always been there it dates back to you know medieval times or the dark ages or the creation of the universe however the shaping of the upside down I think we can kind of attribute that to one because as you see him cross over there and as the doors open up and he gets thrown through the upside down is an entirely different world and it kind of distorts or perverts one or creates him in his own image that he's thinking. And it does go to help create, I think, the upside down. Because if you spend too much time over there, it, it pulls you apart. It kills you. It slowly kills you. So I think it is a form of a cancer. A cancerous kind of universe. Aha, Marvel. But I think that's a lot and can be attributed to one being over there and I think it's taking on a lot of his traits his personality he's the one that plugs into it literally and shapes the upside down and it's places you know that he's familiar with we haven't seen too much of the upside down outside of Hawking's and I think that's only because one never went really farther than Hawkins itself we get some of his backstory and it really isn't hard to figure out how and who he is from the beginning of season three. And I'm not trying to spoil anything for you and no spoilers, but you, you kind of figure it out relatively quick. It's not breadcrumbs, but if you're paying attention, it's no big surprise and you kind of get there on your own. However, the doors and everything opening up to the upside down. Yes, it can be attributed to 11 to answer the question that I received. But she did not shape it. She did not create it. It was already there. I think the shaping and the creating is more towards one's doing than 11. She opened the rifts. She's doing all of it. And we do get answers as far as where the other doors and why the other doors are existing. You just have to pay a little closer attention to what's going on. And it, and it, and it does explain itself quite well. So there's, there's the answer to that question. <laughs> and I did watch it again, so it's been kind of on my mind. Another show that I was able to sit down and watch this week was Orville. Finally. I mean, it's not like we haven't been waiting a couple of years for season three to finally come around. And I have to say, for the first episode, I was I was impressed. I liked it. I thought everything... <sighs> There really isn't anything that I would do differently with the opening opening season, the opening episode. And it really really does make you think and it does sci-fi writing at its at its best, at its heart. It gives you a message, it makes you think and it kind of breaks it down without cramming it down your throat and which is something a lot of the sci-fi shows and the writers and the sloppy writing that i have seen up until this point which is kind of disappointing it's annoying in most cases and we've talked about it on previous shows where you know the writer doesn't put enough faith or stock into the viewer to understand it or come to their own conclusions and reach the conclusion on their own they it just is Thrown out there in Doctor Who, Chris Chibnall, who I constantly bash on this show, uh, is a uh, just absolute grade A number one uh, defender on this. So to see the Orville not only deliver a very compelling story, but also put it in the hands of the viewer to come to their conclusions to you know walk through the paces and see the story unfold and come to their own conclusions and it was very refreshing it was great and i do like the characters that we have on the orville when we didn't have star trek this actually was a very kind of fun substitute and to see the show's evolution and progression from the first season to now is is kind of fun Because it 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 was going one way, and I know we we kind of gave it some we gave it some shade. We kind we didn't bash on it, but we were we were harsh. We were very critical about our thinking. But the one thing that the Orville still did that other shows didn't is deliver the message the sci fi way the, the the classic way of we'll let you get there on your own. Here's here's the story. No preaching. No, no dictating, no, this is, this is the way, just solid storytelling. And the Orville's always had that from season one. The characters took a little getting used to, and you, you're still getting used to them. But there's some very, very good underlining emotion and, and crafting that you're seeing going on. And you know what? They've actually upped the game on the special effects. It's fun. I'm enjoying the Orville, at least the first episode. We'll see how far it goes uh, with the rest of the season. Uh, it's available on Hulu right now, and I won't give you any more spoilers and everything that goes on with it, but worth the watch. Give it. Give it a chance, and it's on Hulu now, so I don't actually know what that means. I don't know if they can take extra liberties or a couple of extra F-bombs or whatever have you, but, you know, it might might be behoove you to check it out. On to teases, things that we're seeing, and it's funny that the universe is listening particularly closely to me. Because uh, <laughs> last night, I swear we were just talking about this, and it uh, is so so weird that it would it would pop up in my feed today. But we finally get a announcement for season three of Harley Quinn, and it is. Probably one of the weirdest and most entertaining animated shows that I can possibly imagine. So on the uh, Instagram feed for Harley Quinn, there is a image of Harley and Poison Ivy basking on a beach, relaxing and, and just yucking it up. Champagne glasses raised. And the quote says, The hottest duo Gotham's ever seen. We're back this summer, bitches. And I'm kind of excited because we were just talking about this and how it took a little bit of time to get kind of used to um, Kaylee Cuoco doing the voice of Harley, and it was a bit of a shift because you have Margot Robbie and you got uh, Tara Strong, of course that does that have done the Harley voice, but I do like Kaylee's take on Harley, and it just seems to fit once you get past that whole you know. Big Bang Theory and now watching her on The Flight Attendant. It's (laughs) That's what messed me up. Watching The Flight Attendant and thinking of Harley and kind of hearing the voice, it really did mess with my head because I kept waiting for her to, like, take a baseball bat to somebody. But we are getting the Season 3 back or getting the Season 3 this summer. Now, the quote that continues on is from Kaylee. And she is actually talking about how it's ridiculous the um, guests that they have. So evidently we're going to see from Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, James Gunn, will be joining the animated universe in addition to all of these other different um, what we do for uh, other guests. Now, they're not saying too much as far as who we will see. But there is, um, yeah, uh, a, we yeah we will get uh, Harvey Gullen, who played uh, who will be playing Nightwing in the the new one. But they're not going into too much detail as far as who else we'll see for uh, guest spots. So with Gun getting in there though, do we get a Weasel? I kind of want to see an animated weasel. I'm not going (laughs) to – that could be fun. And not to mention, like, all of, like, the other Suicide Squad who maybe will even get Robbie Robbie Marco to come in and voice another character, which will even be more interesting to see. I'm curious, however – now, they're saying that Kite Man will be getting a spinoff. And I'm not really sure how I feel about this. And I haven't really talked about it because I uh, I, I just shook my head when I read that. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. But Kite Man is getting uh, a spin off series. I'd, uh, I'd almost rather see Polka Dot Man or, you know, at this point, anybody other than Kite Man. Hell, even, you know, Calendar Man get some calendar man in there yeah condiment man yeah yeah that was me shooting mustard and ketchup at you no date yet when in the summer harley season three will be launched on the hbo streaming network but who's to say we'll we'll hopefully see it soon Uh, Since technically it's summer now. Other teases that kind of came out that I was kind of shaking my head on is the Wednesday Adams trailer from Netflix. And it's, um, I don't know. So Tim Burton traded in stripes for polka dots as we get a very somewhat colorful Wednesday Adams in the trailer. So this will be coming to Netflix Wednesday, starring Jenna uh, Ortega in the title role, along with Katherine Zeta Jones, Luis Gomez, Gwendolyn Christie, and Christina Ricci, who is going to be joined by a slew of other actors in the supernaturally infused mystery charting Wednesday. I just, mm, I mean, the Adams family is just they're kooky you know they're they're kind of spooky and they're just odd they're not sleuths they're not mystery solvers it's not scooby-doo it's the adams family so i don't know if chaz adams necessarily when he created the characters had mystery solving as part of the the character development but only Tim Burton, guys. Only Tim Burton. Uh, I do like the rendition of Thing crawling up on her shoulder during the trailer, but it doesn't give us much more information about the Wednesday series past that. I really don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get, whatever. We'll see. I know I haven't told this to Red yet because she hasn't seen the trailer. So, And her being a huge Chaz Adams fan, she's not going to like this at all. I can't wait to tell her (laughs) Uh, another news uh, Paramount Plus is remastering Beavis and Butthead episodes and the plus side to getting all 200 original episodes. They will have the original music videos attached to them. I guess there was some kind of hang up on the rights, of course, to the music and the videos and everything else. Same thing that science, uh, mystery science theater 3000 ran into who also ran on the HBO network way back in the day when, you know, HBO kind of even flirted with playing music videos at the time, but was trying their, their, their go at, you know, new content before reality TV. So it's, it's cool to see, um, Paramount Plus is definitely trying to come up with some new stuff and give us some of the stuff we haven't seen for a while. I didn't know that they actually did 200 episodes of Beavis and Butthead. Never really ever occurred to me. I mean, I remember seeing the film, and I think that's kind of when I stopped caring about Beavis and Butthead because it was fun. Mike Judd moved on, of course, to do a lot of other shows. Um, no, it's just, I just King of the Hill is the only thing, really that was and it's fine but I don't eh, we'll see I may catch a couple of episodes we'll see Um, they are set to arrive uh, June 23rd according to my information that I've got and I'll probably do there's a couple that I wouldn't mind watching and just kind of like for old time's sake just something to have on in the background and just to see you know Beavis throw butthead into the ground and start burying him turning him into worm food that was, that's It's kind of fun. <laughs> Speaking of music and rights, this came out over the weekend. Uh, evidently, um, for some strange reason, we haven't heard all of Freddie Mercury songs. And during an interview on BBC Radio 2, Brian May and Roger Taylor were being interviewed, and they brought this up. Uh, and, quote, we did find a little gem from Freddie that we'd kind of forgotten about. Uh, this is from... Uh, Roger Taylor um, he goes on to say it's wonderful actually and it was a, a really cool discovery according to Taylor fans will likely hear it's from the miracle session and I think it's going to be out in September so evidently uh, this was something that uh, Freddie had worked on and was uncertain About it. And Freddie had done this a lot, actually, according to uh, a documentary that I'd seen and a book that I read, where Freddie would do a lot of songs and do a lot of cuts, but he didn't feel as committed to it, or it wasn't done, or it was a work in process. And in the interview, uh, they go on to say it was kind of hiding in plain sight. Uh, We looked at this many times and thought, oh, no, we can't really rescue that. Recently, however, they changed their heart, and thanks to a fresh opinion. In fact, we went in there again, and our wonderful engineering team went to work. Okay, we can do this and this – This is what May revealed during the interview It's like stitching bits together But it's beautiful, it's touching It's a very passionate piece So I'm very curious to see What this song is Now it'll be released in September And I know we've seen some of Freddie's other works be released uh, post mortem. I know there was one with Michael Jackson that came out, uh, one of their greatest hits, a couple of years ago. So I'm very interested and intrigued by one more one more song from Freddie Mercury. So the one band I never got to see in concert, Queen, that I always wanted to, and it's 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 kind of touching. It's a sad story, it's so sad, but. Um, I'll let you know when it finally hits. If I get a date in September, you guys will be the first to know. Speaking of just released, we have this on the 5280 Geek Facebook page. It is the trailer for Sandman. Now, this is the trailer that Susie and I had talked about during the Neil Gaiman event at Paramount. We get done. Neil shows us how magical he is and, you know, signs books. And at no time does his hand leave his side or anything like that. They just magically get signed. And then at the end, Neil's like, do you want to see the trailer for Sandman? This is that trailer. And holy balls, it it's even better on a bigger screen. I, I'm i so in. Uh, I can't wait, actually. And just even watching this again and being able to kind of like – Get a little bit closer, a little bit more, you know, intimate with what's going on in the in the dialogue. Susie not hitting me while we're watching it, <laughs> huge pluses. But I I still get goosebumps. I'm excited to see this. August fifth is when it'll land. Go over to the fifty two eighty geek Facebook page. The trailer is up there right now. And I have to say, I, and I and I know I said this with Susie before, but Jenna Louise Coleman as uh, Joanna Constantine. I had my doubts but I'm really I'm really feeling this. I really am. In fact, all of the characters that we see depicted in the trailer work and I'm I'm anxious. I really I want more. Again, greedy nerd. But I know there's a lot of flack, and I a lot of people are like no, it's not going to work or this or that. I really think it is. The visuals that you see building this immersive world, this intricate world, this world that you know things aren't exactly what they seem there's a subplot through the entire thing and i think you kind of get that feel and that immersion is there if you just take it for what it is don't don't think about the books this is something else the comic was its own unique moment it's own lightning in a bottle and i have a feeling that this is going to be the same thing this show will be its own entity it'll take on a life and carry past what the sandman series was as a comic back in the day and it's evolved just like it was back then the book was an entirely different take and we had no idea of i don't want to say neil gaiman's power to tell an impressive tale but it we really didn't and his love for mythology and these characters that he he so finely crafted and tuned to perfection and I think this is going to be the exact same thing where as we watch this story unfold in front of us. And I don't want to see this happen with, like, Cowboy Bebop, where you don't give it enough chance, where the nerds heckle it to death. And the nerds got it wrong for Cowboy Bebop. And I don't want to see the nerds get this wrong for Sandman. I have too much uh, a high impression of Neil, of the story, of just what the story is for sandman i think this will be great i honestly do and i have total faith in neil being involved in the project the way he has been so give it a chance don't be the one to jump on and say well i it's not like the comic i'm not gonna like it no don't be that nerd don't don't do that be open-minded be what we all want the, the open-minded, we want something new, we want something fresh, and now we have it, so enjoy it, and let's wait till we, we get through this, because I think this will be spectacular. All right, and this week, my take, uh, and it's been, a very, it's been a very heavily discussed topic around the nerds and everyone here in the studio. The episode three for Obi-Wan Kenobi came out last week, and uh, no spoilers, But uh, and if you haven't watched it yet, what's wrong with you? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Here's the deal, and I'm not going to try to do any spoilers, but I think by now you understand and pretty much will expect that Vader and Kenobi are going to face off, and it happens in this episode, and there's a lot of interesting... Takes on this. And there's been questions posed to me, and there's been conversations between other collectors, other Star Wars enthusiasts, and Susie and I somewhat agree on a couple of points. And when she comes back, I'm sure we will have this conversation again, especially as we get more context to the story. There's been a lot of changes to Obi Wan Kenobi, and we're starting to see them very very obviously in what we have seen so far for the first 3 episodes we know that obi-wan has cut himself off from the force we know that obi-wan is is basically a shell of the character that we see at the end of revenge of the sith he's a far cry from what we also see in new hope and in rebels there's some disjointed moments there's things that you look at the character and say how the hell did you get here quite easily War is hell. Not even going close to having to do and make the tough call of fighting your best friend, your someone you consider a, a son or a brother. And we get all of those emotions and that raw nerve that's exposed at the end of Revenge of the Sith, as it has to be done. This is the line, and we we can't cross it. We're we're done. We've lost, and we see and hear that multiple times in the first couple of episodes that we know the jedi lost they are they are hunted they are hated and they are all but extinct with the exception of you know a couple of stragglers we know what happens based on video games especially with fallen order rebels we know, and and, and and Bad Batch now, which is even filling in more holes. And I'm really enjoying just how much this has expanded kind of that perception. It continues that narrative. So now we have an Obi-Wan that's suffering from what everyone is calling PTSD, which I think is an accurate description. It is it's, it's there, but I think there's more to it than that. There's the emotional weight of decisions that were made, and him cutting himself off from the Force, I just i'm surprised but at the same point i'm not i also think that this has also helped kept him alive cutting himself off in the force takes him off the board it it, he's not on anybody's radar and as soon as he uses the force anakin feels him there's a strong connection between anakin and obi-wan again they were like brothers so immediately and i think this was orchestrated as soon as obi-wan opened himself to the force Vader could sense him. But then also it's a two way street. Obi-Wan can start sensing Vader. And there's a great scene in the third episode that kind of gives us that feel, that illusion of oh, they're they're much tighter knit and closer than we had even thought. Cause I mean you get the kind of the impression, you get the feel of the the relationship in three films as best you can especially when you're dealing with the clone wars and revenge of the sith there's there's such a dramatic swing from the clone wars and to what we finally get as a resolution at revenge of the sith that it's you don't really have a time to kind of absorb it at least clone wars in the cartoon series does give us that opportunity if you watched it and that's the problem a lot of people may not have watched clone wars or done anything along those lines so we're essentially if you're film driven this is where you end up this is the resolution to the story the continuation of the story so vader showing up at the end of the episode did come as a bit of a surprise the fight that ensued, bit of a surprise, bit upset, but if you think about it, it's expected. It's kind of what we have been building up towards because quite honestly, this is Vader at his best this is rage this is anger this is everything that scared the shit out of every little kid that saw new hope back when they were a little kid this is the vader you do not fuck with because he will just dice you man i mean even we get kind of in uh rogue one I love the, the transition at the end of that movie that goes into New Hope, where they board the blockade runner and Vader just just massacres everybody. We get that now. We get him at his most and he's just sadistic, just vicious. He's walking down the street, just systematically wiping people out. and it is beautiful. This is the Vader that we should be scared of. This is the Vader that we wanted to see. This is the Vader I wanted to see. All right. I didn't want to see the whiny crybaby Anakin. And to be honest with you, seeing this Vader has kind of wiped that from my memory. It's no longer in my gaze. It is in the peripheral. And now I am focused on what has only been the Vader that I remember as a kid. This isn't a knock on obi-wan this is a celebration of the character that is vader this is this is a a dark sith lord and this is nothing we have ever seen before not even the cartoons and to see it brought out the way they did in this episode is impressive it really is now the other side of that coin obi-wan less than himself he's even gone on to say multiple times i am not that man anymore and he's not but he's also not the guy that we see in new hope or in rebels. And I think that that's the point. He needs to come back from that far side. He is on the other end of that coin. He's he's broken, but he knows he needs he knows he needs to come back. And I don't even know how he was thinking he was going to train Luke because the, the conversation that him and um, Lars have of when Luke is of age he needs to be trained I don't know how Obi-Wan thought he was going to do that if he's shut off from the force it's very interesting and I'm kind of curious to see how this goes and how this evolves over the next three episodes of Obi-Wan because what we see is, is a very frightened and very worried Obi-Wan and It's almost kind of sad, and it's not a letdown, but it is very eye-opening at that point. And I think as you see Obi-Wan clutching at his lightsaber, just literally, just almost, if there was life in it, he would have choked it out. And the fighting. Obi-Wan, of course, was one of the best lightsaber duelers, duelists in the galaxy, and to see that not presented at all in this fight it's very one-sided Obi-Wan holds on by fingertips let's face facts but there's still kind of something there and something else to take into account I, I don't know if they're trying to pull more from New Hope and you know Let's face it, that final fight between Obi-Wan and Vader was a little lackluster. Of course, you're dealing with, you know, a 58-year-old Alec Guinness and some dude in a plastic suit with, you know, little wands trying to whack each other. You know, different era, different, different things. But it is a far cry from the battle we see at Mostafar at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I honestly think we are going to see... The evolution of Obi-Wan back to who he was. Because even in Rebels, there's a fight that still is going to happen. We still get Darth Maul at the end of Rebels. And Vader, nowhere to be found. But we do get the conclusion to the Darth Maul story and him constantly trying to find Obi-Wan. Will we get Darth Maul in Obi-Wan Kenobi now is a very good question. And I'm kind of curious to see if they're going to do that it will be a fun kind of little thing to to watch but I think this is actually a natural progression especially as he's been shut off and I have a theory that one of two things is going to happen in the next couple of episodes Obi-Wan is either going to find his way and reconnect and suddenly we will see well I don't know maybe we won't maybe we will I'm, on, I'm honestly thinking Qui-Gon is going to show up. I think as soon as Obi-Wan kind of sorts his emotions out and gets past his fear, Qui-Gon is going to show up and help him through the rest of his training. Or will Obi-Wan actually suck it up, go to Dagobah, and meet with Yoda? Those are the two things that I'm kind of wrestling with. And I don't know where and how they're going to get Obi-Wan into fighting shape. I don't I don't know. It's... it's It's like we need an 80s montage and Sylvester Stallone's going to come out and make him run up a frozen mountain. I'd be fine with that, (laughs) except for I I think we've only had one ice planet to the date. But (laughs) it is a fun thought. I don't know where the lines line up. I don't know how the story concludes. And I can only think that we have one more battle left between Vader and Obi-Wan in which... Obi-Wan comes back. He schools Vader one more time to set up the classic, Last Time We Met, I Was But The Learner and You Were The Master. And I really hope they play homage to that. I really want them to run that whole story of the back and forth that, that these two characters have experienced. And I think I have faith, and I know that they're just as much fans as we are, and I'm betting that that's the payoff that that's the final fight at the end. Vader again gets beaten, and it is it's like damn that's harsh <laughs> maybe, but hey, what do I know? I could be wrong, and the final bit of news this week on the comic book front. Uh, Last week, if you missed my top five, Dark Crisis number one is uh, out. And it's kind of a culmination of multiple story arcs and lines that the DC universe has been brewing for a while now. And it kind of comes to a culmination. And if you missed Justice League 75... Just making sure in my head that that's the right number. Uh, Justice League 75, the entire Justice League gets killed off, with the exception of Hal Jordan and one other character to walk out of the fight. Uh, Hal, of course, not being there, and I don't want to spoil who the one Justice Leaguer that didn't get uh, taken out in that scrap, but... It looks like this might be kind of an f- interesting story, and I'm really – actually, I'm sold on this story. Uh, I really am in on this one, and I want to see how this builds, how this expands. And I, I will kind of keep you up to date, but if you're a fan of the DCU – and then, I mean, I wouldn't throw this in with crisis-level you know, story arc – But it looks like it could be fun. It's seven issues that will stretch, of course, through the summer. Uh, How it resolves at the end is anyone's guess. I mean, you can't leave the Justice League dead. So DC kicking towards another reboot. Um, Technically, the Spectre is dead. So he's kind of off the game board as far as bringing anybody back. But... Right now, uh, in comics for DC, I think this is a fun event that I don't want people to miss out on because I do think there's there's some story, and this could be fun for uh, some old-school comic book fans out there. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. That kind of wraps up this week. Uh, keep in touch. Send me messages. I've got some questions that are brewing that I'm waiting to answer. Uh, I kind of want Susie here for those because I think it'll be fun especially the one that I've been holding on for a couple of weeks. I didn't want to go down and bother her, but maybe I will next weekend. Uh, Other than that, give us a like, give us a share. Tell all your friends about the dirty little secret that we are, because, you know, know, sharing is caring. (laughs) But in the meanwhile, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.